We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There are lots of injuries, a lot more scoring this week, some corrections to uh, some weak starts, and a whole lot more here, on the, and we'll discuss it all here on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen, and uh, a lot happening in week two. Nick and I are here to break it all down. We're going to start off with the the Thursday night game, Nick, because you know we haven't had a chance to talk since then. You were away on your bachelor party, and it was a worthy game. A lot of noteworthy stuff <laughs> happening there. Uh, let's start off with uh, Vikings and Eagles. Mm-hmm. I want to start off on the the uh, Viking side of things. My one of my big takeaways is Alexander Madison is just a volume guy. He he's not a special back, and I know he caught a lot of grief online media and all that. So I don't want to pile on too much. But he he wasn't very good, and I don't think he's very good. I think he was getting drafted for volume and not necessarily skill. Yeah, he's, he was being drafted for volume, and we didn't necessarily see that volume on Thursday night, right? That this game, I, I think for a lot of it, kind of played out like the matchup we saw last year. You know, Philly wasn't quite as dominant. They weren't forcing turnovers in the way. Uh, that they did in the second half against Kirk Cousins in primetime in week two in 2022. But they they controlled this game and were able to play, you know, play from the lead. And we only saw Madison carry the ball eight times. I mean, the Vikings only ran running plays on the entire night. That's what happens when you're down multiple scores and you're <clears throat> scratching and clawing your way back into this game. But, uh, you know, on the other side of this, DeAndre Swift, 28 for 175. You know, Jalen Hurts, 12 carries, ended up with two scores. Uh, the Eagles offense you know, certainly rebounded in the way that we thought it would, you know, kind of a, just an odd week one game against the New England Patriots. You know, we talked about last week how conservative that team got. Like, it almost felt like it was bad for the offense that they jumped out to that 16 nothing lead because I think they called the right. game differently than they probably wanted to. But with the exception of A.J. Brown, you know, giving me like 4.9 fantasy points in, in the league where I have him, uh, the, the, I thought the Eagles offense looked quite a bit better. And he had a touchdown called back. Um, and you know, that, that whole sequence, it was a tough non-cover. I was on the Eagles on that one at it, some outlets. You could have gotten it at six, uh, but it was really six and a half, seven in most places. Mm-hmm. And of course they won by six on, uh, you know, base, you know, basically Minnesota had that late score to make it that, but there's usually, it was a two score game most of the time. And it should have been three scores at one point. Then again, I mean, the Eagles got a little lucky because of the Jefferson fumble at the end of the first half too. So, oh, yeah. Uh, which almost was a touchdown. I mean, if he holds it a nanosecond longer, 
yep. um, then it's a touchdown. He breaks the plane and it doesn't matter. But, uh, you know, very frustrating uh, from a betting standpoint there. But aside from that, I mean, the Eagles look good. I mean, they they fixed a lot of their offensive woes. They ran the ball well. Can you put the genie back in the bottle with DeAndre Swift? Gainwell didn't play, obviously. Swift mm-hmm. had two touches in week one against the Pets. Two. And then yeah. he goes for a, a ton of touches. And, and, you know, he was the back that, hey, he is who we thought he was there sort of game. You know, which is the real Swift and what's the real workload here? Well, the workload is not going to be 28 carries a week. You know, I, I think that's the that's kind of the rub here is that, yeah, you look great. But I mean, we talk about volume with Alexander Madison. I mean, 28 carries is probably that, that might be the most that a single back carries the ball in any game this season, honestly. And yeah. part of that, too, had to do with the game script. Uh, but but, you know, I think the Eagles are going to have a lot of games where they're up, you know, 10 to 14 points you know, early in the second half and are going to be content to keep the ball on the ground, keep that clock moving. So, yeah, I, I think to, it's a good way to phrase it. You know, can you put the genie back at the bottle? Obviously, when Kenny Gainwell's back in the mix, he's going to be a factor here. But does that bump Rashad Penny, you know, back to inactive status? It kind of seems like it does. I mean, we didn't see a oh, lot yeah. of him, uh, you know, three carries for nine yards in this game. They mixed him in every now and then. But it was heavy, heavy doses of DeAndre Swift. You know, we saw Boston Scott uh, essentially function as the backup running back. 58 snaps. For Swift, 10 for Scott, 9 for Rashad Penny. Uh, you know, it, to me, there, there's always going to be an odd man out. And I, I'm still really surprised at the usage of Rashad Penny specifically, right? I think you and I talked about this quite a bit you know, on the radio show. Like, I, I thought it was going to be, you know, use Rashad Penny early on. Maybe he's your second back until mm-hmm. he inevitably goes down in week six with some sort of injury and, and maybe doesn't play the rest of the year. But, um, you know, the, the, I, I'm surprised that he hasn't been able to work his way into the mix more than he has. But, look, when Swift's running the ball like, like he was on Thursday night, I, I guess there's no need for that. Yeah, and, you know, Boston Scott got concussed in the third quarter, and that's only the time when Penny came in. Penny right. was clear, is clearly fourth on the totem pole. And it showed, I, at first, I thought his inactive in week one was because, okay, he doesn't play special teams or something, and Scott does. But, no, Scott's clearly ahead in just the carrying pecking order, too. So we'll see what, you know, health status of both Gainwell and Scott are for this upcoming week, but they have the extra days. That helps. So we'll see. Uh you know, other than that, I mean, Goddard got involved. It was all short passes, but still better than the bagel he took in week one. Um, Hertz wasn't quite all on, but he was mostly yeah. on. And Devonta Smith was the guy that, you know, was, had the better matchup and they exploited the heck out of it. I think Minnesota's defense is just terrible again. In fact, uh, I think that's the other takeaway from this. Yeah, I think there was some hope that, you know, hey, Brian Flores. Big name coach. Yeah, maybe he'll be the guy that, that can magically solve this defense. But I think, you know, the personnel is really not improved at all. Right. It, it's about the same, if not worse than it was last year. And, you know, they'll be tested again next week. They're at home, but they get the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, that's another 0-2 team. Uh, you know, the, the offense has looked okay for the most part. We'll get to that game later on. But that's certainly going to be a, a dangerous spot for the Minnesota defense. They get the Chiefs in a couple of weeks as well. They have the 49ers coming up in the first half of their schedule. So it's you know, I've already seen some like, you know, could the Jets trade for Kirk Cousins rumors out there? And, you know, I think that's going to be heavily dependent on what the Jets look like for the next few weeks here. But as we said last week, you know, we're starting to see things kind of flip for Minnesota. You know, right. These these one score games, they're now 0-2 in one score games to begin the year after going 11-0 in those situations last season. We knew there would be some regression and it feels like that's already hitting. Yeah, I, I think I think so. Uh, speaking of 0-2. Let's rip it again. Rip the Band-Aid off moment mm-hmm. here. My Bengals. Uh, better game than week one, but, you know, still really bad. And, of course, you know, they, they're in a no-and-two hole now. They were in a no-and-two hole last year and still made the AFC Championship game. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it's a good uh, omen there. It, it's definitely somewhere. 
They're struggling, and Joe Burrow tweaked his calf on the last uh, offensive series. Um, He was not great in the first half. They had one less offensive series because of the punt return touchdown, so the numbers look a little worse than they might have been. My bigger concern, though, was the defense. They couldn't get off the field. Opening drive, Ravens moved down, a couple key penalties. That that there there was a lot of that. That was a continuing theme, by the way. A couple of key penalties for the Bengals. They they lost a turnover because of that. They lost a sack, a, a critical sack because of that. And the Ravens just kept on converting on third down. It was, and a lot of that's Lamar. He can scramble like crazy. Um, but now they're going to face a Rams team that has been moving the ball uh, against uh, ostensibly a really awesome defense in the Niners. Uh, makes you worry about what the the Rams are going to do. That's on Monday night next week. That's a Rams team that is currently first in the NFL in time of possession per drive, first in mm-hmm. the NFL in plays per drive by over a full play over the number two team, the Buffalo Bills, which is insane. Uh, yeah. Small sample, obviously, but still pretty wild. Uh, they are first in the NFL in total plays run, and they are first in the NFL on score in score percentage. So for a Bengals team that's struggling to get off the field on those third down situations, I mean, it's certainly not a plus matchup, right? I, I think that Rams team, even after losing yesterday to San Francisco, has looked a lot more competitive than I thought they would in that game. Obviously, they look great in week one against a Seattle team that got things turned around in week two. So I think, you know, coming into the year, you're circling that Rams game and thinking, all right, we should win this one. And I still think Cincinnati should, but that's looking like a much more difficult opponent now than it did a couple of weeks ago. You know, I, I, I have written in my notes here, Jeff, like everything for the Bengals and my Jaguars, by the way, which we'll get to at some point here, yeah. everything just looks difficult right now for the Bengals. Yes. Like even even, even yes. the scoring drives, the scoring plays, the touchdown to T Higgins, it's like they're you know everything is in a tight window, you know you're up against it, there's pressure, like they're just the offense is not clicking at all. And again, they get the benefit of the doubt, they'll get it turned around at some point, but you know this Burrow calf situation, man, like I I don't think it's a guarantee that he plays in week 3. Yeah, uh I'm not I, I, yeah, I, at first I wanted to brush it off, but it almost looked like he he heard it, tweaked it celebrating the touchdown too, which is the yeah. funny thing, but yeah, you're right. At least they get the extra day, but that also means we have fewer pivot options. I'll tell you this. If you have Joe Burrow and he's your only quarterback, go go out and get Matthew Stafford. If yeah. he's in Stafford's available like in mostly in, in non-super flex leagues, he's available. Uh, although maybe after the, the first two weeks he shouldn't be, but you you know, you better make sure you have that pivot because yeah, I, you don't want to have to start Jake Browning. No, you do not. And and Stafford has, has looked fantastic so far. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think he's a big part of the reason that that the Rams obviously won in week one and were able to hang in with a great, great defense in, in San Francisco uh, yesterday. I mean, he's he's looked completely dialed in. I mean, some of the throws he's making down the field have been incredible so far. And I think it's been a reminder of just how good he is when he's healthy. I'm looking right now, Jeff, and obviously this number is going to soar, uh, you would think, in the next few days here. But rostered at fewer fewer than 30%. Of ESPN leagues, which you know, obviously a lot of listeners are, are playing in those style of leagues. So he's widely available. Uh, you know, your other options are, are pretty unappealing right now. If it's not Matthew Stafford, you, you're looking at you know Kenny Pickett, Derek Carr, Jimmy G, Mac Jones, uh, you know Sam Howell. Uh, I think is, is going to have some buzz himself, but uh, we'll he's talk the guy about him, right yeah. now. If, if you need a quarterback, if you need to potentially replace Joe Burrow for a week, or you're not satisfied with with Geno Smith or whoever it might be, Stafford's going to be the guy that you're going to have to pay up for in Fab. Yep. Indeed. Uh, so uh, I, I, and I think Key and Howell are the two guys I'm most excited about. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Howell, Howell looked pretty good as well. Uh, a few other notes from, from Bengals Ravens. We did see a pretty even split uh, between Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. We did not see any of Melvin Gordon, who was pulled up from the, from the practice squad 
but everything was pretty much even. You know, Justice Hill, three goal line carries to one uh, for Gus Edwards. Uh, for, uh, Odell Beckham missed the second half of this game for the Baltimore Ravens. Sounds like that ankle injury is not believed to be overly serious, but it is Odell. He's had a ton of injuries. You're always going to have to be cautious there. We saw Rashad Bateman uh, pick up quite a few extra snaps in that second half once Odell went out. And Nelson Aguilar, who got the touchdown. Oh, yeah. Um, on a pretty nice catch. I did not have that on my bingo card. So, mm -hmm. uh, But yet another former first-round wide receiver pick, just not theirs. Uh, yeah, I, I was more bullish on Bateman than it turns out I deserve to be, I think. He, he hasn't done a whole lot so far this season. Zay Flowers mm -hmm. looks like the real deal. He looks oh, yeah. really good. Caught that one long pass right after yep. the interception. That was a key moment in the game, too. Burrow throws the pick at the goal line. Uh, they return it out to like 35. And then the next play after the commercial, they throw a long bomb to Flowers that connects. Uh, and then they tried like an end around of Flowers right after that. After he makes the long running catch, it was like, dude, let him rest for a second there. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, uh, pretty impressive. Uh, he, he looks like the real deal to me. Um, and then I think Edwards looked better than Hill, but Hill was effective too. Edwards obviously had the touchdown. Uh, and yeah. the the salting away first down to end the game, uh, just the, the Bengals couldn't get off the field. That that was the big takeaway for me too. Is the defense, which mm -hmm. I thought was the solid side of things for the Bengals, they they couldn't get it done. And it started on the first drive, ended with the last drive. Just couldn't get off the field. Um, how about your Jaguars and Chiefs? Let's get let's rip that Band-Aid off too. Man, uh, this was this was pretty demoralizing. For me, I, you know, I, we went with the Chiefs in Circa. So I, I was kind of, you know, leveraged against myself here to, to, to sure. kind of protect for this exact scenario. And, you know, it, what worried me was the Chiefs defense, you know, and, and obviously the Jaguars defense as well, although that, that, that unit looked quite a bit better than I expected. You know, monster pick by uh, Andre Sisco on a deep ball uh, attempt from Mahomes to, to Sky Moore. So the Jags, I mean, generated multiple turnovers. If you're doing that at home against the Chiefs, you should like your chances. But the, the Jags offense has been horrific, Jeff. So far, so, so bad. I think the play calling has been a massive issue through two weeks. You know, the run blocking, the, the protection for Trevor Lawrence has not been good at all. They have the second worst run blocking grade per PFF in the NFL through two weeks. And look, you're going up against a good defense in Kansas City. But I, I was more concerned about how that offensive line looked in week one against the Indianapolis Colts. They are one of the worst teams in the league right now converting third downs. They were six of 24 on third downs thus far through two weeks. They're one of five on fourth downs. That was a huge issue last week. It was a big issue this week. Trevor Lawrence, 0 of 7 passing in the red zone in this game. Uh, that was the worst performance by a quarterback in the red zone since Brett Favre all the way back in 2006. Uh, it, it, it was rough, man. And, I, you know, watching this game pretty closely, I, I, I don't really think it was Trevor Lawrence necessarily. There was just not a lot there. You know, he wasn't missing throws. And, and much like the Cincinnati Bengals, like everything is just so difficult for this team, you know, whether it's picking up four yards on first down, it's like, you got, you got Trevor Lawrence firing balls between two guys just to kind of scratch and claw for a four yard gain. And then, you know, third and one, third and two, fourth and one, like they just don't seem to know what to do in these situations. Right. It, it, it's just bizarre. Uh, yeah. the, the play calling has been very strange. They're asking Trevor Lawrence to throw a lot of quick passes. You know, you're relying on blocking down the field. You're relying on receivers, making guys miss. Uh, just really didn't take any deep shots down the field. And again, some credit there goes to, uh, the Kansas City secondary for especially limiting Calvin Ridley. But at the end of the game, the Jags had a chance here. I mean, they, they drove the ball deep into Chiefs territory. They were in the red zone. They needed a touchdown and the two-point conversion. And they just had shot after shot after shot. And there was there was just nothing there. Yeah. Uh, I saw the sequence where Ridley got run into the pole on that one play. Yeah. That, was, that yeah. should have been a touchdown. It was so close. And then 
that the one bad throw Lawrence made in the red zone was the following play where he, it was a clear overthrow of an open receiver. But I'll be honest, that was a, you know, right. I, I, I haven't done the rewatch on that one just yet. And, you know, I, I, I'm still getting used to YouTube as my red zone option here too. Cause yeah, I have two TVs in here. One of them gets like, it gets laggy on while streaming the newer yeah. one. It doesn't. So I was trying to watch the Bengals on that and red zone on the, the other one. And it just wasn't working. All of a sudden, like it's two or three plays behind already. Cause then red right. zone would flip to the Bengals game. Like I, I can't live that way. So then I had, I had to like focus on the Bengals on the one and just like deal with like, non-streaming channels like i just yeah. and did that basically and long story short i haven't seen a whole lot of jags chiefs uh they weren't on red zone that much there, there right. weren't that was one of the other takeaways they're just they didn't uh, uh, there was a lot of tickets to the carnival yesterday and that one wasn't it despite being the highest projected total for the week well I, they started this game you know these are these are the drives you know kind of alternating punt 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 field goal by the jags Fumble by the Chiefs, immediate fumble by the Jags, immediate interception by the Chiefs. The Jags go out on downs. The Chiefs tack on that touchdown before the half, and then a field goal. I mean, there was just a lot of punting in this game. Yeah. I thought, you know, again, the Jaguars' defense looked a lot better than I expected it to. You know, I think for the most part, the Chiefs' offense was still still scrambling a little bit, still struggling. You know, I think for Mahomes to to get dialed in with those receivers, a lot of near misses for Kansas City. But you know, to me, the biggest play of the game was you know after the Jags fail deep in the red zone to, to tie the game, they still had you know a little a little over four minutes to to try to get a stop and and get the ball back. And they couldn't do it. I mean, Chiefs put together a 10-play drive. Mahomes hit Sky Moore uh, on a deep ball to, to essentially seal that game. And and that was curtains. You, know, you, you can't give Mahomes that many opportunities. Eventually, one is going to connect. And uh, I think we're going to see this Chiefs offense continue to heat up. Um, you know, Travis Kelsey, of course, back in the mix for the Chiefs. He was kind of eased back in. You know, looked a little rusty to me at a few drops and a few kind of contested catches that you're used to Travis Kelsey making, you know, winning those balls uh, that he didn't win, but was still able to salvage his day with a touchdown. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, exactly. You kind of give him a little bit of grace for that first game back. And it doesn't mean he's magically going to be better next week, but you know, at least they had the 10 days to get ready for this game to get him back to for fantasy right. managers. Uh, well, before he, we move he on, might, the... he might magically be better next week. Cause they got the Chicago bears, Jeff. Oh yeah. Mm. A lot of survivor picking there. Uh, although if you're doing a circuit survivor, you have to pay attention to when you're going to use certain teams uh, because they, they, you know, they have the the Thanksgiving games uh, plus Black Friday and then mm -hmm. the Christmas game slate. So and I think the Chiefs are involved in one of those two slates, if I recall correctly. I, I, I was going through that earlier mm -hmm. um, and that, that's something I have to pay attention to. But, man, that strikes me as like a perfect opportunity to use them. So we'll see about that. Um, if you're looking for a place to play head-to-head -head fantasy football games without the huge uh, tournament, salary caps are complicated game types, then Rival Fantasy is where you want to play this NFL season. From a twist on a classic game with Fantasy Bingo where players generate a lineup to complete achievements and get bingo, to head-to-head -head fantasy challenges where you'll pick which of two players will score more fantasy points, this is the best of fantasy sports. For the 2023 NFL season, Rival Fantasy is offering new users a $200 deposit match plus a $25 first play voucher. Rival Fantasy is so confident you'll love the experience. They're giving you money to play out of the gate. Experience the future of fantasy sports on Rival Fantasy and become a rival today. All right, uh, let's talk about those Bears. Bears and Bucks. I, I did pick the Bucks in this one here against the spread. I thought that they'd win. I think, you know, we got to remember Chicago for, you know, for all the optimism on some of the things they did, got to remember they were the first overall pick for a reason last year, and their defense is still really, really, really bad. 
It's very bad. It's very, very bad. Uh, this is now 12 straight losses dating back to last season for Chicago. Uh, you know, this was, it still was a competitive game. I mean, the, the, the Bears mm-hmm. had a chance, you know, down three, had the ball deep in their own territory. That's what we saw Justin Fields throw just a, a brutal interception. Uh, wow. uh, basically at like the two yard line uh, that, that was able to, you know, the, the Buccaneers were kind of able to get the, the Reggie Bush push uh, into the end zone there and, and essentially seal that game. You knew when it got to 10, even with the Bears getting the ball back, it was pretty much over. Uh, you know, DJ Moore looked a little bit better in this one, yeah. had the Bears first 100 yard game by a receiver since 2021, which is astonishing. But uh, the vast majority of those yards came on the first drive of the game. I mean, Chicago looked great out of the gate, hit a long one right away. They were rolling. Justin Fields looked good. The wheels came off after that, man. And honestly, it it almost feels to me like Fields is, is suddenly on the hot seat again, right? Like we're, people are talking about him the way we were we were speaking about him early last season, or even at the yeah. end uh, of his rookie year a few years ago. I mean, it the Bears are at the Chiefs in Week Three. Like that's not going to go well. It's it's not going to go well. And I, I'm very curious to see you know how they come out of that. They don't have an obvious pivot, and I, I don't think they're going to bench Justin Fields. But I, I mean, I, I've never been the biggest Fields guy. I, I think a lot of people, you know, obviously remain skeptical of what he could be long-term as a passer. But I mean, this has been a worst case scenario start for fields over these last two weeks. Right. You can find super, you can find super cuts all over Twitter of, of Justin Fields, just sitting in the pocket, you know, missing blatantly wide open receivers. There's a clip yesterday of, you know, DJ Moore kind of running a, uh, an, an out route, you know, eight yards down the field, you know, close to the red zone Fields never looks his way. There's no defender in the area. Um, you know, Mr. Guy kind of going up the seam out of the slot would have been a sure touchdown. And, I don't know what's going on, man. I mean, Fields himself you know, looked a little dejected, kind of called out the, the play calling, the offensive coordinator in the post game. Uh, he looks a little bit disconnected. I think this is never good, by the way. Yeah, it's not. It's not. And look, you know, I, I, I don't I don't want everybody to just go up there and just, you know, kind of give the, the stock answer. Like, I, I appreciate players, you know, kind of bucking that trend and actually saying what they think. But I don't know how you watch that game. And look, I, I'm not saying Luke Etsy is like a great offensive coordinator, but I don't know how you could watch that and say a lot of that wasn't on Justin Fields. Yeah. I, I One thing I'm concerned about. The lack of design runs, uh, you know, for mm-hmm. two weeks in a row, they haven't really called them for him. They've had and that's two like, so that's a strength. That's what two we drafted runs. him for. Yeah. Yeah. They're not. I mean, last year when they started to have a little more success offensively, you saw these, you know, these plays where Justin Fields getting the snap immediately rolling left, immediately rolling, right. The line's going with them. You know, you're getting him out in space. I, I, they're, they're trying to, I think, develop him as more of a traditional passer. And it just, it hasn't clicked yet, man. I mean, this, this has been, there's some other candidates right now for you know teams that have looked the worst thus far, but I, I think the Bears have the belt right now. Yeah, six sacks in this game too. Maybe one you know one of those could have been basically a design run that went bad, but uh, you know it's just it's just not great. Um, and you know we're not drafting Fields because we expect him to be a prolific passer. No, we need those running yards. Uh, he, he's I had him at like 13 or 14 this week, and I'll probably. I'm going to lower him. I mean, we'll see pending. We got some hurt quarterbacks, so we'll see this week. What happens? Uh, uh, We'll talk about Anthony Richardson next, uh, but uh, you know, Richardson is an example of why maybe teams don't have as many design runs for their quarterback, but uh, nonetheless. uh, Yeah. uh, I was encouraged by DJ Moore. We saw way too much chase Claypool, but that's because they also Mooney got hurt early in this game. Yeah. So they had to go to him, but you know, and, and Claypool did get the touchdown. Uh, he got out of the doghouse. I mean, they they were showing clips of him not blocking in week one. I'm like, yep. dude, you're already on watch, and then you're showing no effort in the first game of the year against a rival? I mean, come on. what What's going on with that? 
Yeah, there was a report that he did apologize to the team. Yeah, he apologized I saw internally. That too. So I, I think I think you know that's at least moving in the right direction. But it's it's hard to get a real gauge on it because of the Mooney injury. I mean, Mooney only played 15 snaps in this game, so I, I, I don't think the plan necessarily was for Claypool to be out there as much as he did. 41 snaps for him uh, out of a total 52. Uh, you know, we, we actually saw a little bit less of Cole Komet in this game as well. Uh, he, he played 35 snaps, 18 for Robert Tunyon. Uh, we even saw Mercedes Lewis getting into the mix as a blocker uh, a handful of times. So, th- th- I mean, really outside of DJ Moore, that this offense has been a mess. And there was you know, a lot of Roshan Johnson buzz coming into this week. Deontay Foreman, a healthy and active. And with the way that this game played out, I mean, kind of playing from behind, even though the, the Bears were only down one score and really like three points for a lot of this game. Like when the Bears are down three or they're down seven, it, it feels like another team being down 10 or down 17. You know, <laughs> I, I think they, they got away from the run a lot more quickly than they probably needed to in this game. I mean, Khalil Herbert looked okay. Roshan Johnson ripped off a long run. Uh, the vast majority of his production coming on that one play. But I, I think what scares me a little bit too, you know, this game aside for Chicago is, you know, we came out of week one thinking like, man, this Green Bay defense, maybe they're better than we thought. I mean, the Green Bay defense looked terrible against Desmond Ritter yesterday. And, and you think back to what they did to Fields in this offense in week one, and it, it scares you a little bit with, you know, obviously the Chiefs coming up this week and then, you know, two pretty good defenses in Denver and Washington, although you know, neither of them look great against each other uh, in week two coming up next on the schedule. So Chicago's in trouble. I, I agree. Uh, you know, emblematic of that is they, they, they got off to a good start, right? Uh, they, they, you know, they get the touch, they, they get the touchdown, they block a field goal and you're like, mm-hmm. okay, this is great. And then sack end around a Velas Jones for negative three yards sack. And then, and then a punt. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. they, they blew They had great field position at the, at midfield. You're like, okay, the bears, they, they're showing some life. And then no life after that. No. Uh, just, yeah. it, it was just dead. Uh, and you're right. I, yeah, I think they abandoned the run way too quickly uh herbert versus johnson was as a big nothing burger um johnson uh, you know and you know herbert actually at least had the one catch for 23 yards but yeah it, it's it's frustrating as all heck so uh bad 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 week there for those guys uh and on the other side of the ball the bucks are 2-0 and and we we're kind of mocking them a little bit going into this season a little bit even like uh, and we we had uh, when we were at Circa and previewed the Bucks, they were one of the f- two guests I think that prick- picked uh, at least under or at least right mm-hmm. around the number. Uh, showed some pessimism for the t- uh, someone that's like really into the team. Yeah, schedule picks up a little bit these next few weeks for the Bucks. They get the Eagles uh, in Week Three. We'll, we'll see how that one goes. They got the Saints and the Lions coming up. Falcons, who are also two and zero on their schedule. And then they're at the Bills. Uh, for another primetime game. I think that'll be, what, week seven. So we'll, we'll see how things play out. But, yeah, I, I think, you know, coming into the year, you would have thought, all right, if you get out of here with a split against Minnesota and Chicago, you're pretty happy with that. But Tampa's look really good. And, you know, to me, the biggest thing that stuck out is you know, Baker Mayfield, 26 of 34, 317 in this game. A lot of that a lot of that credit goes to the Chicago Bears defense, no question. But, uh, you know, no turnovers for Baker Mayfield through two games. That's the biggest thing with him. If he could just limit the turnovers, uh, that, that's been the biggest thorn in his side uh, throughout his career. And, you know, this Tampa Bay offense has looked pretty good. You know, we talked last week about, you know, when's the last time Baker Mayfield has had two weapons? If, if at any point in his career, the caliber of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and, you know, both of those guys were sliding, especially Evans, quite a bit in drafts. And, you know, he goes six for 171, nearly had a long touchdown in this game, did tack on another touchdown, uh, you know, the, as the game moved along. And he's all of a sudden now that the wide receiver four on the season through two games. Now, you know, some of the big play production, that'll obviously slow uh, as the year goes along. But I think the the early concerns about the drop-off from Tom Brady to Baker Mayfield, you know, 
take it with a grain of salt going against Minnesota and Chicago, but right. um, I think we may have overreacted a little bit to that. Yeah, I dismissed his contract push, and I'm feeling kind of silly about that right now. But uh, feeling silly about it with him on my rosters too, so I'll take that. Yeah. Uh, got away at the total shove, not just an offensive pass interference, total shove on a 70 yard pass. Uh, sure so uh, that that was wild. But yeah, he's been great. Godwin's been good, but it's Evans that's been the ma- main yep. guy. I thought we all thought that Godwin was maybe the guy that benefits more than Evans. Uh, perhaps because we were thinking Mayfield wouldn't throw downfield as much. So far, that has not been true, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, Eric said Eric Powell says he's been his fantasy MVP so far. Yeah, he's been fantastic so far. Uh, Rashad White broke a tackle or two to get into the end zone. Yep. 17 to 73. Uh, you know, a lot of negative buzz on Rashad White. I'll say this if you couldn't get it done against this Bears run defense, you're not going to get it done. So I think this was necessary, not sufficient, but I mean, it's a, it's a start at least. Yeah, I mean, he had one of the least efficient games you're ever going to see in week one against Minnesota. And I think a lot of people were down on him. I think he was like mm-hmm. minus 30 something in terms of you know expected yardage. Um, looked a lot better, a lot better, a lot sprier in week two, 17 for 73 and a touchdown. I mean, this I, I still think this Bucks team is going to have a hard time generating big plays on the ground. Like they didn't have a run longer than 14 yards. I think that's going to be something that's going to plague them throughout this year, much like it did last season. But you're feeling better about Rashad White this week. Certainly, you know, the snap load also encouraging 51 snaps for Rashad White. Uh, you know, saw a little bit of, of, of Sean Tucker in there, carried eight times for seven yards. He didn't really do anything. You know, Chase Edmonds got a couple of carries, but mm-hmm. uh, really no threat to, to Rashad White at this point. Nope. All right. Uh, our, our, our dedication to quick reviews of games is going swimmingly. We are se- you know, seven minutes per game so far. Let's keep rolling. Yeah, we got we to cut that in half. Yeah. Uh, you alluded to the Packers. Um, hmm. You know, I got to say, A.J. Dillon might be my disappointment of the week. You know, there is no no Aaron Jones this week. Atlanta's not that tough against the run, and he just could not get it done. They're trying to salt the game away late. Failed, like, on second and short, third and short. Uh, they lined up to go for on fourth down, have a false start. Um, it just... They did some certain things that, you know, they could have salted that game away. Jordan Love looked pretty good to me, yep. but Dylan was a real disappointment to me. He was a disappointment. I've been out on him for a while. I was in on him last year. He, he played so poorly in 2022. I, I, I swore him off. I didn't take him anywhere. He killed them. He absolutely killed them in this game, that third and one specifically. Uh, I, I don't. I really don't know what he was doing there. I, you could say he tripped on the turf. He tripped on his own feet. I'm not really sure. Yep. Uh, but if AJ Dillon can't get you one yard on third and one, I, I don't know what his place is on this roster or in this league really at this point. I mean, 15 for 55 for AJ Dillon, just not breaking tackles at nearly the rate that a guy his size should uh, really no ability to, to get you plus yardage whatsoever. The, the biggest difference for me here was, you know, the Falcons running game, specifically B. John Robinson, who went 19 for 124, oh. uh, did not get into the end zone, but still a fantastic day for him. Added four for 48 as a receiver. B. John Robinson was plus 56 yards, Jeff, over expectation in this game uh, per NFL next-gen stats. A.J. Dillon was minus 12, minus 12 yards on, like, you know, these are basic carries, right? It's hard to go minus 12 uh, when you're you're basically just kind of running up the middle. So that was a big – I mean, that's that's a swing of, what, 68 yards right there. He looked shot out of a cannon, B. John did, every time he touched the ball. There was one play where he broke three different ankles on one run. I, I you know, three yeah. different players. He broke the ankles, made a little in like full speed cut. Mm-hmm. Just that humans should not move like that. 
he his he stop start ability is unbelievable. Like he's not he's yeah. not even breaking tackles. He's just you know, the the tackles aren't even touching him. That's the thing. It's like yeah. he's break, he's like eluding tackles. Um, and and you know obviously we saw him break plenty of tackles in week one against Carolina. So he has that too. But against Green Bay, it was a lot of defenders having the angle, looking like it, you know this play is going to get stopped for a three yard loss. Bijan just makes a miss. You know makes a couple more defenders miss. All of a sudden the three yard loss turns into an eighteen yard gain. I mean he had a couple of those plays. Uh, Atlanta you know picked up a, a big fourth down conversion. After a, a controversial spot on third down, caught the Packers off guard. Darnell Savage had a great shot to just, even if he just makes contact with Bijan Robinson, just slow him down a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, another Packer or two is able to get there and probably make that play. Uh, that to me is, is where this entire game shifted. And you mentioned, you know, I, I don't know what happened on that. That would have been QB sneak by Jordan Love. It sounded like he tried to audible into that play. He said he said the wrong audible. And, you know, obviously he was on one page. The entire rest of the offense was on another page. He basically ran a phantom QB sneak without the ball, uh, resulting (laughs) in that false start and then causing Green Bay to punt. Yeah, Uh, that was one of his few missteps, though. He looked apart to me otherwise. He looks good. Jaden Reed looks good. Luke Musgrave Mm -hmm. looks good. Uh, You know, Torrey should have held on to that ball, but it turns out there was going to be a penalty on the play, so it didn't matter. But Torrey is not really someone you're counting on anyhow. I mean, he's like... It, you know, another step down the ladder because Watson wasn't playing. I mean, this defense, I mean, this offense, when they get Watson back, I mean, that's that's exciting because Reed looks, I mean, you look, Dubs, Watson, Reed, and Musgrave, that's a that's a good core right there. Yeah, no question about it. I, I think, you know, Dobbs has looked great uh, through two games. Like you said, Musgrave looks to be coming along. I think, I think this has been close to a best-case scenario start for Jordan Love. You know, I, I think given yeah. where things could have gone, given how little we knew about him, you know, I was I was watching the game with a bunch of Packers fans making my way back from from South Carolina yesterday, and you know, it's just I, I, you know there there was a possibility for me that you know three weeks into the season we could be looking back and be like, man, Jordan Love looks like Zach Wilson, like that was in the cards because you know the, the glimpses that we've caught of him have not been super encouraging, but. Yeah, uh, he's looked amazing so far. I think we, we talked about on the pod last week, the manipulation of defenders that was there again this week. The big issue for love is that you just didn't have that many chances, right? I mean, the time of possession was 36 minutes for the Atlanta Falcons, 23 for, for green Bay. Um, and Atlanta doubled up the Packers almost in yards, you know, 220 more yards in this game for Atlanta, 78 plays on offense for the Falcons Ooh. to just 47 for green Bay. So you look at love and you say, okay, he went 14 to 25 for 151. What are we talking about here? It wasn't a great day. It's just Green Bay's defense couldn't get off the field. And there's there are so many coulda, shoulda, wouldas. Okay, first drive for the Packers. Oh they 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 lining up. They 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 could have kicked a 51 yard field goal. Instead, they took the delay a game and punted. So cowardly. You deserve to be punched for that. Turns out those three points might have mattered. Um, they had the missed possible pick six by Jair Alexander. It was on a fourth down play, so they still got possession, but. If Alexander holds on to that, he's taking it to the house. I mean, there was mm-hmm. nothing in front of him there. Quay Walker dropped in an interception. Uh, Jair just, Alexander dropped a pick six. That's what I was saying, Jair Alexander. Yeah, earlier yeah. on that fourth down play. I mean, it's right. just and at least. I mean, there's so many. There's so many coulda, shoulda, wouldas in the game. They should have won. This the, they get that first down. It's game over basically. Instead, yep. they get the, the Dylan and then the false start thing. I mean. I, I'll, I'll say I wasn't that impressed with Desmond Ritter still. I don't think he's that no. good. Um, I Yeah, they, they got all those yards, but it was, they were B, it was pretty much Bijan. And I know mm-hmm. sometimes they had Bijan and uh, Algier in the same, on the field at the same time. But so they, they reestablished Drake London this week. Great. They ignored Kyle Pitts. Um, they, you know, they, they, missed, they missed Pitts wide open a couple of times. Ah, it's, uh, 
it's frustrating. Atlanta's a very frustrating team for me. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Pitts at this point, we're in full-on panic mode. Uh, it, it looks the same as last year. Um, really nothing to, to take of, of real encouragement here. Did have five targets, technically, but, you know, it, it didn't really feel like it throughout this game. And, uh, you know, encouraging to, to see Drake London after taking a zero last week, go six for 67 and a touchdown. But, you know, e- even he, I mean, I, this team does not want to throw the ball downfield. Like, their one long passing play of the game came on, like, a double reverse flea flicker back to Desmond Ritter. Uh, and he just threw up a 50-50 ball. And credit to Mac Collins for going up and getting that. Another yeah. tough play on the day for Darnell Savage. I mean, that was that one was huge too. That came after uh, I believe the the Packers fourth down uh, mishap. You know, on, on the sneak they punted back, and then immediately Atlanta is basically in the red zone and, and able to to put up some points there. So yeah, Green Bay blew this game. I mean, this was a two score game going into the fourth quarter, yep. and, and Green Bay was just not able to execute on third down and, and that one fourth down to close this out. And last thing I'll say, I mean, you mentioned that that initial drive of the game. I, I felt like that kind of set the tone for the Packers offense. You know, it, it, they gained, they picked up some aggression in the second half. Things were rolling for a little bit. But, I mean, that, that initial long pass interference on the flea flicker to begin the game. Green Bay had a first and 10 uh, at the Atlanta 31 and ends up losing seven yards. They had two penalties. They had a false start. They, they had a, a, a delay of game when they were lining up for the field goal. Like just, But that was not purposeful, crisp. too. That was well, That was cowardly. It was cowardly. I, I think they, I think they waffled on the decision and then you know got out there and said whatever. We'll just back it up here. And then you you punt from the thirty eight and it's a touchback. You know, I mean, what what are we looking at here? Is it, it was an eighteen yard difference? Yeah, terrible, terrible sequence. Yeah. You deserve to lose after that. Yep. All right. On that salty note, let's move on to another game here. Uh, let's go ahead and hit up uh, Buffalo and Vegas. I mean, this one, Vegas mm-hmm. got started off shot out of a cannon. Yep. I mean, they they got they took the you know, opening drive. Um, and, and they went, uh, and, and that, that, that was pretty solid. Uh, they had a nice little, uh, a, a couple of neat little plays on, on like, uh, they had, uh, Jacobs going on the end around or not Jacobs. I'm sorry. They Jacobs was the useful, uh, decoy on that one. They had the end around that worked to Trey Tucker. That's it. Um, and they scored, uh, bubble Adam, a uh, bubble screen to Adams. They stopped the bills or the seven and they got another first down. They look like they're rolling. Jimmy Garoppolo gets the tip interception. And after that, it just like the whole game changed. Oh yeah. The, the wheels were off at that point for Vegas. So they were able to put together a, a 10 play drive uh, a couple drives later to, to answer a Buffalo score, keep it to a one score game. But that was, that was basically it after that. And mm-hmm. you know, the Buffalo was, did a great job controlling the clock. I mean, they start the, the second half with a 15 play touchdown drive that, that took up almost the entire third quarter. I mean, nine plus minutes on that drive. And at that point, you know, it's an 18 point game and you never felt great about Vegas getting back into it. Devontae Adams, we should mention, you know, had the touchdown on that first drive. He finished his six for 84, uh, ended up leaving the game, being evaluated for a concussion. Yeah. So we'll be watching that uh, very, very closely uh, throughout the week. Raiders were also without Jacoby Myers in this game. Uh, not a great day for Josh Jacobs. Nine carries, negative two yards. Uh, obviously, with Vegas playing from behind, you know, they had to go off script uh, a little bit there. Only ended up running the ball 15 times on the day. A lot of those came early in the game, but this was exactly the bounce back that Buffalo needed. It, it was shaky early on, right? You see the Raiders march right down the field. You see Buffalo go three and out and you're thinking, man, this, this team just does not look right coming off of what happened in New York in week one, but ended up being a really nice day for Josh Allen, really nice day for, for Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs. Dalton Kincaid remains involved. Although we saw a lot of Dawson Knox, like Dawson Knox out snapped yep. Kincaid in this one, but it was Kincaid, uh, you know, kind of ultimately winning that, that, that battle five for 43. Um, and, and James Cook, I thought looked good as well. 17 for 123. Yeah, and it could have been better. I mean, they even had a fourth down at the play at the goal line. It stopped. Uh, you now yep. they forced the punt right after that and got the touchdown right before the half. So uh, James Cook, 
I am concerned. Well, we knew that. Not concerned. We know he wasn't going to get the, the goal line carries, but it just mm-hmm. reinforced that they'll go get some guy off the street like Latavius Murray, or, you know, I guess he's not off the street, but uh, he felt like he is. Yeah. But uh, He's perennially off the street. Yeah. Murray and Harris both got goal line carries. He did not. Cook mm-hmm. got a lot of use in the second half. Second quarter yeah. and second half. Like, for a while, like, where's James Cook? Why aren't they using him? Um, yeah. Then, uh, then, then he looked pretty good after that. There, not too many other takeaways. This was this was my survivor pick in circa. Uh, I didn't have to save them, although I, I think that does kind of because circa has the the Thanksgiving slate and the Christmas slate. You got to look ahead. Uh, mm-hmm. But so I, I kind of like like put me down one course, but felt good about that one. Pretty much once it became like 14, 21, 10, I guess basically yep. is when I was like, okay, we're good here. And the second half was a romp. Yeah, I went with the Giants in Survivor this week. So I had a completely different Survivor experience than you yes, did. You this, did. One, this one felt sewn <laughs> up by it. Once, once Buffalo scored that that long touchdown drive to begin the third quarter, you, you kind of knew where things were headed. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about that Giants game. Uh, the, oh, my. That's some Team of Destiny stuff there with you getting that comeback win. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, we took the Giants in Circa Million, too. I, I you know, John, John was down there with me at the bachelor party. We did a lot of conferencing throughout the week. We... We love the Giants. Uh, I, th- I think that number closed at four and a half at Circa. Uh, so we would have liked a touchdown uh, on that final drive instead of the field goal. But nonetheless, uh, given given how this game started for the Giants, I mean, this is this is a huge, huge momentum swing. I mean, at halftime, Jeff, through six quarters of football, the Giants were down 60 to nothing. If you take into account what happened yep. in week one against Dallas, I mean, it was ugly. I mean, they started this game with just a, a gross three and out after forcing a missed field goal. Uh, Josh Dobbs was just running all over them, throwing all over them, you know, long play after long play. And, you know, coming out of the half, you just, you certainly did not expect the Giants to, to crawl back into this game the way that they did. And they, they got a quick touchdown out of the half. And you're like, all right, 20 to seven, get a stop here. You know, maybe you put something together immediately. You know, you, you let Josh Dobbs drive right down the field again uh, and put up a score. But finally, that Giants defense buckled down, forced three straight punts uh, by Arizona. And then, uh, of course, we're able to tack on that field goal. Saquon Barkley, I, I thought, you know, kind of carried the Giants throughout that second half comeback. The, the overall numbers weren't all that impressive. 17 for 63 in a score, uh, had six catches for 29 yards and another score. Uh, but but he was really the offense for them. They did hit a big play to Jalen Hyatt. However, uh, Saquon did tweak that ankle uh, late in yeah. the second half. So well, it's same ankle that he's dealt with in the past. So uh, that along with Devontae Adams and a few more, that's going to be one of the big injuries to monitor. Yeah, and I think they play the Niners on Thursday night too. So you know, you're almost certainly not going to see Barkley this week. Um, but I'm not that excited about starting Matt Breida. I know he got five yards on his one token carry, but um, yeah. nonetheless, he's going to be like the, the the pickup option this week. We're all sweating that that report, but we're not going to likely is we're what's likely going to happen is we're not going to get a whole lot of information. You know, it's, it's going to be one of those where we're going to have to wait till Thursday night to make a decision. You have to make your, your waiver claims before that. Uh, I mean, we saw Kyron Williams taught us that you can start a running back against the Niners and be okay, mm-hmm. but still uh, it's one of those things uh, to watch out for there. I thought it was over when it was 28, seven. In fact, I tweeted out something like I have a side bet with lists about Bengals versus uh, giants and it term- might be the biggest null bet ever. And then from that through line, you know, they, 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 the comeback continued. The defense actually stiffened up mm. still no sacks. And the Arizona offensive line was horrible last year. He got no yep. sacks against Joshua Dobbs. Uh, they did, they did shut him down in the second half. I think Arizona got a little, a little too conservative, but I thought so too. Um, and you know, just don't get conservative in football guys. It just doesn't pay off. It never pays. 
just never pays. Them. We just mm-hmm. talked about the, the the Packers and their cowardliness on their first drive and how that that was that they got punished for that. Well, it, you know, Arizona kind of did too. Um, yeah, you got a chance to put a team away, you do it. Yeah, a couple other notes from this game, then we'll move on. Uh, yeah, I, I too was a little bit miffed at the, the the lack of pressure on Josh Dobbs, although he did a good job moving around. You know, I, I think he's more athletic, he's faster than he than he's giving credit for. I mean, he ran over a Giants defender uh, on the way to the end zone for for one of his rushing touchdowns in this game. That was a twenty three yarder. Uh, but you know, kind of in addition to that, we saw James Conner, you know, able to to, to continue to uh, get things going against this Giants defensive front. He goes twenty three for one hundred six. Uh, did a lot of his work, of course, in the first half of this game. Uh, but yeah, the, the Giants offensive line, excuse me, has been uh, one of the bigger surprises thus far. Final note for me, Zach Ertz, 12 catches through two games. That is second yep. among tight ends in the NFL. Yep. Uh, a lot of short targets, but still targets nonetheless. In a PPR league, that's that's gold. Yep. We're on the Blue Wire Network. Here are their ads. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, thanks for your indulgence on that. Let's uh, keep rolling here with uh, these breakdowns here. Let's going back to the early slate: Chargers and Titans. Titans were my best bet. Uh, the game didn't really play out the way I expected it to, but nonetheless, I just don't trust the Chargers as a road favorite, and it's just in their DNA to find ways to lose. They've scored over fifty points in the first two games. They don't have a single turnover, and they're zero and two. Hard to do. First thing I have written in my notes here is the Texans or the Texans. Wow. The the Chargers, excuse me, feel like they've lost the same game like five times per year for the last 15 years. Right. Yep. I mean, this was it was a completely different script uh, as far as, you know, playing the Titans versus playing the Dolphins in week one. But 
uh, you know, kind of came down to some similar possessions at the end of the game. And I, as much as I love Justin Herbert, you know, I, I have an MVP bet in on him that I'm not feeling great about so far. Uh, there's, there's just something about this team that you do not trust in big spots. And much like last week against Miami, you know, there's a huge sack at the end of this game, you know, the Chargers offensive line just kind of got bull rush, got bowled right over. Yep. Uh, Justin Herbert did not have an opportunity to get a pass off. I mean, it was a third and three at the Tennessee seven with 20 seconds left. And, and Herbert just gets ambushed and sacked. And, and you know, that, that turned into a field goal, uh, which set this game to overtime. You know, Chargers go quick three and out. Uh, and, and from there, you know, Tennessee able to drive down the field. So it's it's tough to pinpoint exactly what's going on with the Chargers. You know, the, the run defense has been such a problem for them over the last couple of years. And, you know, it held up in week one against Miami. It held up pretty good this week as well. You know, the yeah. Titans piled up 141 total yards, but yeah, you, know, you hold Derrick Henry to 80 yards on 25 carries. I think you'll take that every day of the week. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say 3.2 yards per carry for Derrick Henry. I mean, they did their job. Um, Spears was more effective, uh, eight for 49, but still what I noticed though, was Tannehill hit like three deep balls. Um, and he was very efficient 20 to 24 this week. Last week, he was horrible against the Saints through the three picks. He avoided those turnovers this week. There were no turnovers in this game, period. Uh, Tannehill did get sacked five times, right. uh, but you know he was he was a lot better. Um, and it's Ryan Tannehill they're lying to with a gimpy DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, mm -hmm. Keep that in mind, too. Hopkins played, didn't do a whole lot, four for 40. Uh, we saw some Chig, uh, finally, four for 35. They had to get involved, but Burks mm -hmm. hit a deep play. Chris Moore hit a deep play. I mean... That that was the thing, like that they hit these long these downfield passes at, at critical times. Uh and mm -hmm. and like you said, the Chargers they just found ways not to finish. Now we knew they weren't going to be able to run the ball against Tennessee. Nobody runs the ball against Tennessee. Kelly 13 for 39. I thought he'd be more involved in the passing game. He wasn't. Uh, I think one of the other takeaways for the uh, Chargers is uh Quentin Johnson barely getting used at all. Two targets, one for seven. Uh he he's clearly not even the third option on this offense right now. He only ran nine routes on the day, Jeff. Uh, just yeah. not really not likely to become fantasy relevant. Uh, I think and, until, and it feels inevitable that Mike Williams or Keenan Allen get hurt at some point this year. And it, we kind of felt like that would be the case, you know, going into the year, like as far as, you know, if Quentin Johnson reaches his peak, he's going to need one of those guys to go down. And I, I still think that's likely at some point, but he's, he's been even less involved uh, than I thought he would. And we, we started to get some, some inklings at the end of the preseason that, uh, maybe he wasn't quite as far along as they were hoping. There were some drop issues mm -hmm. early on, but yeah, I mean, only running nine routes in a game where, where there was, you know, you weren't getting anything going on on the ground. Uh, very disappointing for, for Quentin Johnson. I mean, hopefully people aren't starting him, but it, it's getting to the point now where you got to consider uh, dropping if, if you need some depth. To me, though, you know, we, we mentioned the struggles of the red zone. That's what it came down to uh, for the LA Chargers, not finishing drives. I mean, you had three drives where you had the ball in a, a first and goal. Uh, adjacent situation, you know, either you know just outside the ten. You know, they, I think there was one drive where they yeah. had a, a, a first and first and ten from the Titans fifteen. That ends in a field goal. You had two more when it was first and goal from the seven. Both of those ended a field goal. So it was it was the lack of of converting touchdowns and the lack of limiting those big plays. That that was huge, right? There was one punt midway through the fourth quarter. You know, Chargers put together a drive. They have to punt. Uh, you know, pin they pin Tennessee back inside their own twenty. That was when that Chris Moore play happened, and immediately the field is flipped. And all of a sudden, it goes from first and 10 at your own 18 to first and 10 at the Chargers 33. Yep, exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, 27-yard field goal, 30-yard field goal, 33-yard field goal at the end of the uh, end of regulation. I mean, short field goals are a killer. They're, they're the silent killer. Um, and, you know, it's just you see the 24, you're like, oh, they only kicked right. worse. Nope, nope. They had three plus a two-point conversion in there. So, 
Yeah, that, that comes back to haunt. I, I used uh, Herbert in my DFS lineups. He got 305 yards and two TDs. You're like, okay, that's pretty good. Keenan Allen was a stud. Uh, no surprise there. He got the two touchdowns, eight for 111. When Keenan Allen's healthy, he, he's pretty ridiculously good. So, uh, and, and he's healthy right now. Uh, a game that did deliver uh, on, on for DFS, fantasy purposes, entertainment purposes, Seattle, Detroit. It wasn't quite as insane as the game last year, but still 37, 31. We'll take that. Yeah, it wasn't quite on that level, but it was, this was probably the craziest game uh, of the day, maybe other than that giants comeback. But uh, you know, we, we got the points that we thought we would, you know, the lions just weren't quite able to recover from, from that pick six uh, Jared Goff threw in the fourth quarter, but you know, rallied mm-hmm. back forced overtime uh, saw Seattle march down and, and put this one away. But uh, you know, certainly a disappointing day for the Detroit Lions, you know, coming off of that win at Kansas city, you're at home. It feels like everything's rolling your way and uh, you know, advantageous matchup, right. With the way Seattle looked at week one, you're thinking, okay, you know, we, we, we kind of got it right yeah. where we want him here. And you knew Seattle was going to bounce back. Right. I mean, we, we saw yeah. enough of, of, of you know, success from this offense last year to know that uh, the second half last week against the Rams was somewhat of an outlier. And obviously the Rams look pretty good against San Francisco. So you're not, you're not too down on yourself for how you looked in week one, if you're Seattle, but uh, really, really nice bounce back and necessary bounce back here. Uh, for the Seattle Seahawks, Kenneth Walker, very inefficient day against this Detroit defensive line, 17 for 43, but did find his way into the end zone twice, turned into a pretty nice fantasy day for him. Uh, vastly outstapping Zach Charbonnet. You know, we were worried about what that split would be coming into the year, but as long as Kenneth Walker's healthy, it, it looks like he's going to be the guy pretty clearly. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, and in fact, you see more DJ Dallas in passing situations than you do Charbonnet, which I, I think it's going to Charbonnet will make an impact this year, but it's going to be tough to hold on to him long enough for you to be able to mm-hmm. realize that uh, some other notes from this game lions. I mean, I, if I'm a lions fan, I'm actually okay. I mean, this was a missed opportunity game. They lost that fumble to begin the third with Montgomery. They turned that at Seattle, turned that in immediate points. There was a, a fourth and two fail that they had uh, where they threw down field as opposed to, you know, you know hard, harder degree of difficulty. I'm okay with that. You don't want to just run it into the pile. They threw the pick six. Gibbs was the target on the pick six. The ball was behind him, so I don't necessarily blame him, but I don't know if there was a miscommunication on the route or something. He also dropped one that he could have busted for a big yardage opportunity. Gibbs was a little bit of a disappointment because they said they were going to get him more work, and then Montgomery got hurt, and they still didn't give him a whole lot of running work. I'd be patient with Gibbs. I think it's happening still. I would too. And, you know, seven catches, you'll take that. Um, you know, we, we, we hit that as a prop this week. I think the number was three and a half, uh, yep. which, you know, based on, based on what they said, based on how he was used against Kansas city, I felt like that was a layup. And I think that one hit before half, uh, but you're right. I mean, Jameer Gibbs, despite David Montgomery going out with what's looking like, it's going to be a, a multi-week injury midway through this game. Like Jameer Gibbs still played less than half of the snaps on offense for the Detroit lions. You know, we, we saw Craig yep. Reynolds getting into the mix, especially on passing downs. Detroit was throwing the ball a ton in the second half of this game, trying to get back into it. Uh, that, that to me is not super encouraging, especially when you're in so many passing situations. Like I, I get that they're going to work them up. I, I think, you know, week to week, we're going to start feeling better about Jameer Gibbs, but I, I don't really know what's stopping Dan Campbell at this point from taking the training wheels off. I mean, less than half of the snaps in a game where a lot of the time he looked like your best offensive player. Yeah. Uh, especially because Amon Ross St. Brown twice got shaken up in this game, came yeah. out and came back in. He was missing key snaps in the fourth quarter, though. So it's something to watch. We're, he'll see you'll see his name pop up in the injury list, I think, this week. So mm-hmm. something to watch for with that. But I, I, all in all, I'm not worried about the Lions. I, I think this is just a, you know, the breaks didn't go their way in key situations sort of type of game. They were moving the ball pretty well. They need to get off the field a little bit better. 
their defense mm-hmm. actually was a little, you know, for a new and improved defense, it wasn't that new and improved. Uh, see, it, they were lucky to tie the game. Uh, Seattle had the ball up three late. Like they had a third and 17 from their own 20. And, uh, and, and Geno Smith took a 17 yard sack to pin him all the way back near the goal line. You just can't do that with two minutes left. Um, you just get rid of the ball. It was going to be, they snapped it with two eleven. So I think he was worried about not getting it, you know, not letting him take a timeout before the two minute warning, but that those 20 yards mattered. Um, that, that was, that was a bad one there. So, uh, yeah, uh apologies that. to Justin Fields, but that was the worst sack of the week. Yeah, it, it was really bad. It was really, really bad. Uh, Darius Brown talking about Gibbs says she trade him for Puka. What do you think? Jameer Gibbs for Puka. Who do you, which side do you want to be on in a vacuum? Hmm. I think I still want Gibbs. I still want Gibbs. I mean, that's that's becoming a, a, a certainly a more difficult question uh, with, with each passing yeah. week here. But I want Jameer Gibbs until I know what's what's going on with Cooper Cup. I want Gibbs. Okay, fair enough. I think I might want Puka because I think Puka is okay. going to be. We'll see. I mean, I, I'm curious to see the usage when Cup comes back. Uh, can they be on the field at the same time? Because uh, they he's kind of running, you know, Cup's role right now. Yeah, but. I don't know. I, I think the, I think he's he's been so good. He's going to be on the field. There's no there are fine ways to get him on the field. I, I just I don't think that the the target volume just can't sustain once. Cooper yeah, goes. I think you're I, actually but, right. I changed my mind. I'm I want to be on Gibbs too. Yeah, but I mean, if you're somebody who thinks Cooper Cup is going to miss more than four games, and maybe he comes back week seven or eight, and you know you don't know what his mm-hmm. health is going to be week to week after that, then yeah, there's 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 certainly a case for it. It's, it's a fascinating question, really. It is. It is. Uh, let's move on to a quick ad note, and then before we get to our next game. I think we can all agree that fantasy sports are awesome. So is daily fantasy and sports betting. That's why I have so many freaking accounts. What's not awesome is going to a bunch of different apps to find the best odds and manage all your fantasy lineups. Enter Better Vision. That's B-E-T-T-O-R Vision. Better Vision is the only app that syncs all your fantasy, DFS, and sportsbook accounts in one place. We only show you the best odds for every bet, so you'll always get the best value. And our dashboard is the only one-stop shop to track all of your fantasy matchups, DFS picks, and bets. Visit bettervision.us to download Better Vision today. Jeff Erickson's here with Nick Whalen. Uh, let's keep rolling. There, there were so many good early games, notwithstanding our respective teams' terrible early games. But mm-hmm. let's talk a little Colts-Texans. Uh, this wasn't close, but it was more entertaining than I thought it could have been. I mean, I, I, I was, mm-hmm. it, it had the potential to be a real stinker. And instead I thought it was a pretty entertaining game. Yeah. I mean, it, it became entertaining. I think because Houston fell behind early in this game and it was 28 to 10 at the half. And we got to see CJ Stroud, you know, fully unleashed in that second half. And for the most part, I thought he looked pretty good. I mean, 30 of 47 for 384 and two touchdowns, you know, the, the vast majority of that production coming in like obvious passing situations, for the entire mm-hmm. final three quarters of this game. Uh, you know, we saw the Colts defense do a, a decent job slowing down Trevor Lawrence of the Jags in week one. So I, I think there is something to take away from this as far as positivity for C.J. Stroud. Uh, second straight week where the Falcons just could not run the ball. I mean, you're down there, Tunsil, you're down Texans. two other starters, or excuse me, yeah, the Texans could not run the ball. You're down Tunsil, you're down two other starters uh, on that uh, offensive yeah. line, two guys that are on short-term IR. Uh, so I think that's really hindered Damian Pierce in the early going. I think he's going to be a frustrating start week to week. We'll see if that can turn around at some point. But he goes 15 for 31 in this game. Uh, because of that passing volume, Nico Collins had a big day. You know, Robert Woods uh, had another pretty respectable day. That's two for him. Tank Dell went seven for 72 and a touchdown. Uh, but the Colts really controlled this game early with Anthony Richardson. I mean, two, two early rushing touchdowns. He goes out uh, with, with the concussion and then, 
you know, to me, Anthony Richardson and Gardner Minshew are, are polar opposites in terms of how they play. Obviously, we want to see Anthony Richardson. He's the, the far more dynamic player, the, the, the guy who's going to be the face of this franchise long term. But I, I don't think there was like that big of a, a drop off from Richardson to Minshew. It's not like when he went out, the Colts were panicking. No, in fact, you know, Minshew led them on two immediate scoring drives, one yep. punctuated by Zach Moss with the ru uh, rushing touchdown. Moss looked really good, uh, and they didn't use anybody else. Uh, no, Deion Jackson wasn't even didn't even get a carry. Uh, yeah. So you know, they just and, and Minshew was pretty efficient, nineteen of twenty three for one seventy one. Uh, neither quarterback got sacked. It looked like Richardson was going to put put together like an all time game. Uh, when, yeah. and he, he's, he got hurt. He got the concussion on the second touchdown landing, like on the back of his head. You could see it like, ow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's football's a tough game and all that. And it, it wasn't like, but it was funny. It wasn't like he got, was in the middle of a pile. It was like kind of just landing and he did a flip afterward. You're like, oh, he's fine. And they're like, wait, what? He's getting evaluated. No, yeah. terrible. I mean, Richardson looks the part. Houston looks terrible defensively. Mm -hmm. Uh, just awful. They were missing a couple of guys in their secondary, but the lack of a pass rush after being yeah. after actually having a decent one against Baltimore last week, you know, it was a little surprising. Um, yeah, it, Michael Pittman looks useful. Although he, he didn't break any big ones this week. Uh, it was just a very workmanlike effort offensively for the Colts. Yeah, 12 targets for Michael Pittman. Uh, obviously, going from Richardson to Binchu significantly changes what your game plan is going to be. So I, I don't know that we can rely on that level of target share. Uh, you know, week to week, but we'll see what goes on with Richardson. I mean, it's not a lock that he plays right. in week three. So we could, we could see a Mitch you start. And I think, you know, again, Anthony Richardson's the guy you want starting if you're the Colts, but if you're, if you're a Michael Pittman manager, I think you'd almost prefer a Gardner Mitch you start in week three. Yeah, I guess so. Um, uh, yeah, probably. Although I think Richardson's mobility opens up things for everybody else though, too. Sure. Yeah. So. I, I, there's certainly a case to be made there. Uh, you know, a couple other notes here. You, you, you mentioned the, the running back split, like you're not exaggerating, like literally no other running back played in this game for the Colts and, you know, Evan Hall's banged up right now. Uh, certainly mm -hmm. they, they did not like what they saw from Deion Jackson who had a costly fumble last week against the Jags. So I, I think it's, it's just kind of licensed to start Zach Moss at this point. Yeah. I mean, you're not, you're not going to get as many advantageous matchups. I mean, go, going to Houston in week two is about as good as it gets. You do have to keep that in mind, but um, I mean, that, that type of snap share, I mean, he, he played 56 of 57 snaps in this game. Um, and look, it's, maybe it's not going to be quite that exaggerated every single week, but I, I think that sends a message you know, to, as to how they feel about Zach Moss coming off of an injury uh, relative to the other options in that backfield. For sure. And he, I mean, he did well with his chances too. Uh, if you're digging into the trenches for a tight end, Kyle Granson might be worth a look scored. He got targets last week and then uh, three for 16 on four targets this week. Uh, mm -hmm. He, he, he's, he, you know, I'm in a league where we start two tight ends. He's yeah. relevant in that league. Yeah, right. And, you know, the, the vast majority of listeners are probably saying, look, appreciate it, guys. I'm not going to go get Kyle Granson. But, yes, if you're in a competitive league, like, yeah. you know, guys like Gerald Everett and, and Zach Hurst and Juwan Johnson, like, those, those guys aren't out there. You know, if, if you're in a 12-team, two-tight end league, uh, you're starting to dig deep. And, uh, you know, plenty of people that play in high-stakes leagues are, are going to be in that spot. So that, that's a good call on somebody to keep an eye on. Colts get the Ravens next week, by the way. Interesting. Um, I think that's a pretty tough matchup there. Yeah. Uh, will be interesting to see from uh, survivor purposes who uses the Ravens that didn't use them in week one uh, there as far as that goes. All right, let's uh, talk a little bit. We kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier, but it didn't really break down Niners and Rams. We've talked about extolled the virtues of Matthew Stafford so far a little bit here. Uh, this was a very 
offensive game early on. Uh, and not offensive, but a lot of offense in there. A lot of fun. Let's start off though with the the Jay Glazer pregame bombshell. I mm-hmm. I, I watch the Fox pregame show from uh, the hour before uh, kickoff specifically to look for Glazer updates, and he delivered with this because he announced the Acres thing, and I didn't see it anywhere else before that that they, he was going to be active, and he's on the trade block again. Mm-hmm. Here we go again with with Cam Akers, right? And this one truly came out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, and I I think they're they're done with him. I, I don't know exactly what happened, but this is this is at least strike two that we know about publicly uh, mm-hmm. for Cam Akers or to make that dramatic of a decision that late before a game. Uh, you know, something had to happen behind the scenes. There were some rumblings of you know maybe a disagreement with a with a, a coordinator or a coach at practice this week. Sean McVay, you know, somewhat alluded to that uh, while while kind of keeping things close to the best in his post-game presser. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Cam Akers you know, is on a new team sometime this week. You know, you, you look at a team like the Green Bay Packers, I think they could use an upgrade at running back. I think that would make some sense. There there will certainly be other suitors for Cam Akers. But the Rams feel comfortable going forward with Kyron Williams. You know, look good for the most part in week one. He goes 14 for 52 and a touchdown this week. Not an efficient day by any means for Kyron Williams on the ground, but also gives you six catches, 48 yards, and a touchdown through the air. I, I had one of, I've made a lot of bad calls throughout the years, Jeff. Uh, last week on this pod, when I said, Yeah, go ahead, spend all your money on Puka Nakua. What's you're gonna, you're really gonna roll him out there, start him against the 49ers? <laughs> uh, yeah, I was wrong about that one. 15 for 147, 20 targets. 20 for Puka targets. Nakua. That is now insane. your NFL record holder for most catches uh, in his first two career games. So I, I'll take the L on that one. Yeah, uh, you weren't the only one. I was doing the, the Saturday Serious XM show with Jim Coventry and you know, he, remember he popped up on the injury report with an oblique injury. I moved him down in my rankings. I, I had him at 30 and I moved him lower. Mm-hmm. Oops. Sorry. Um, yeah. Uh, now the question is, when does cup back come back and what, what sort of role does he have? I two, two at well, look good again too, by, by yeah. the way, uh, Kyron Williams looked good in the passing game, except the one intercept, one of the interceptions for Stafford was actually, off the hands of Kyron Williams, yep. he turned and looked this to, to to go with it before securing the catch. That one was completely on Williams; had nothing to do with Stafford's delivery there. That was that that so that that was one negative. But all in all, they moved the ball readily against the uh, Niners. Uh, you know, especially in the first half. But even the second half, they had extended drives and just would fall short at the wrong time. Um, yeah, uh, I, the Rams look really good. Like you, you talked about their stats about moving the ball more plays than everybody else more first downs than everybody else. I mean, they're, they're they look good uh, offensively, defensively, uh, not so much. Uh, they, they didn't really, they didn't hold up like they did last week. No, not quite to that same degree, but I also think you're facing a much more difficult opponent, right? And a team that yeah. was just completely rolling after coming in uh, off that decimation decimation. Uh, yeah. I'm saying that correctly. I, I'm running still a little slow here, Jeff, as you could probably imagine okay. uh, of the Steelers in, in week one, but you know, I, I thought the Rams, I mean, the Rams defense did about all it could against what might be the most complete lethal offense in the NFL to to give them a chance to win this game. You mentioned the interception to Kyron Williams. I mean, that, that was a tie game at that point. The Rams were driving. They were deep in San Francisco territory yep. when that interception occurred. You at least would have had a chance at a field goal on that drive. And then, you know, San Francisco is able to go the other way, turn that interception into a field goal, force a three and out, score a touchdown. All of a sudden it's back to a 10-point game. But, I mean, the Rams held up a, a lot better than I thought it would uh, in this game. Uh, you know, the other turnover for Stafford late kind of sealed things. But for the most part, given the talent gap between these two teams, I thought the Rams did about as well as they could. 
I will ask you, what did you make of the final play of this game with the Rams opting to kick somewhat of a meaningless field goal, uh, but not at all meaningless for, for people who are on the 49ers to cover that, that seven point spread. I, I mean, I only thing I can think of is McVay or somebody else on the Rams bet on themselves. Like we always say bet on yourself. They, yeah. I feel like they had to have bet on themselves, except you can't do that in the state of California legally, but um, it was, I was thankful. I, I was on the Rams for staff picks, so uh, thank you. I was on the other side of that one. I, I was I was on the 49ers. We had them at mm-hmm. eight and a half, so you were you were plenty comfortable there, not even getting a push. I know that number moved a little bit uh, later in the week as uh, you know our picks lock on Wednesday for staff picks. But yeah, mm-hmm. interesting decision. I mean, I, I I saw some like you know videos on TikTok and whatnot about people like what is going on here, you know, speculating that the Rams are up to something nefarious. It's like. You know, you can take a shot at the end zone, I guess. And even if that works, you, you still lose by three. Um, you know, it's a strange decision, I suppose. But it's not like they passed up on an opportunity to tie the game to right. kick a field goal. I think it was just a calculation of, all right, you know, we'll take whatever points we can get here. It, it doesn't matter if we score a touchdown or a field goal. Um, you know, obviously, they were far enough out that you're probably not getting the touchdown there. Still strange to see. You know, usually you'll just see a team take a shot there, uh, even if the game is, uh, you know, in, in decided at that point. So I think the real thing, the real criticism is why didn't they do that? Like with say, you know, why didn't they do that when they got within field goal range in the first place there? Um, right. Exactly. Although actually now I take that back. I lied. Um, they didn't get to the, they got that. I, I, you know, I'm just, I'm recalling the play by play looking at that, that they converted it third down and they spiked the ball four seconds left to be able mm-hmm. to do that. Cause they were on the 37 before that. And their kicking game isn't exactly strong. Brett Maher, right. I think, missed one earlier in the game. Uh, you know, I missed a couple last week. So, yeah, I, now that I, I retract my critique there, I mean, it wasn't like they were inefficient in that. Maybe it took yeah. them a while to get down to that level. But let's face it, it's not easy to move the ball against the Niners in theory. So, uh, yeah, still, I, I benefited from that. Uh, Niners side, McCaffrey got his. I mean, he... he he actually didn't do much in the receiving game this week. Uh, you got to be yeah. thankful for that if you're going up against him. Ayuk uh, got banged up very early in this game, got banged up twice, actually. But on the very first mm-hmm. drive, he hurt his shoulder. I think we're going to be watching reports on that one this week. Yeah, hurt his shoulder early, took another kind of hard, awkward fall late in the game. Just never yeah. never really seemed like himself after that, after a good start to the game. Three for 43 early mm-hmm. on. He was, he was rolling and, yeah, just looked a little slow, a little out of it. Um, it would not be surprised, you know, if he's somebody that we're talking about Wednesday, Thursday this week, you know, is he going to play their home for the New York Giants, uh, get the Cardinals after that. So pretty good chance you would think for the Niners uh, to start 4-0 if they could take care of business there. Um, you know, I, I think by way of, of Brandon Ayuk being limited, we saw a really nice game out of Debo Samuel. This was kind of a throwback, like pre-Christian McCaffrey type of day for Debo. Six for 63 through the air, five carries. Uh, although one of those was like a, a, a pass from Brock Purdy that was like barely backwards. Uh, ended up turning into a touchdown for right. Debo Samuel. Just a, a vintage Debo Samuel play, right? Just plowing guys over on his way into the end zone. But a really nice day for him overall. You know, five combined, or excuse me, 11 combined carries and receptions for over 100 total yards. Yep. Uh, the other thing, and we didn't even mention this, key sequence in the game, perhaps, the Niners getting the touchdown at halftime. Uh, yeah. They go for it with, you know, basically an untimed down. Uh, second and goal on the one yard line. I mean, I think it was with five seconds left and they, yep. instead of kicking the field goal, instead of throwing, they did the quarterback sneak. They had no timeouts. It was gussy. And the Rams had had this series of like inter, uh, interference calls against them. Uh, like, and I, I think I actually advocate for this. I think 
When yeah. you're already in, like they're already inside the 10 and inside the five, just go ahead and interfere. What's the worst thing that can happen is they have to run another play. Well, the, the Niners said, okay, you want, this is the worst thing that can happen. We can actually score the touchdown here. Uh, but we saw, we'll talk about the Denver game uh, later on, but this is, there's so much incentive for the defender to disappear when, the, uh, to interfere when it's an untimed down like this at the end of the game. So many times refs will swallow that flag, swallow the whistle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see that all the time in sports, not just football, any sport, really. Yep. It, it like end of, end of quarters, end of game, end of halves, in, in tight sequences. You don't want to make that call that changes the game. Well, there you go. Uh, but, you know, they don't score there. They're down seven at halftime. Yeah, down seven at halftime, and, and the Rams got the ball out of the half, uh, yeah. too. So I, I think that was part of the calculation. It, you, you just trust San Francisco. You trust Shanahan in those situations, right? I think there are, there are a lot of people, a lot of – fans of other teams that see that decision and think, man, I, I wish my coach would go for that. Or I wish I, yep. I wish my coach had the right play in that situation that, you know, they end up just sneaking it with Brock Purdy. But part of the reason they were able to do that is the penalty, you know, half the distance to the goal. You don't think it matters on the one yard line. Well, it, every centimeter matters uh, when you're, when you're running the QB sneak in that situation. So yep. good execution by the San Francisco 49ers, but uh, it's about what you'd expect from this team. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, we'll, we'll talk uh, about uh, the, uh, commanders and broncos next but first quick note from vivid seats football is back kick off the nfl season with vivid seats and score tickets to all the hottest matchups and biggest games of the year catch every pass every tackle and every heart pounding play of your favorite team live and in person and with vivid seats rewards now you earn rewards with every single purchase each ticket you buy gets you closer to your reward just buy 10 tickets then simply cash in your credit toward your 11th ticket purchase it's that easy plus Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code ROTOWIRE. That's code R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E. From the 50-yard line to the upper deck, Vivid Seats has great tickets for all the 2023 games that matter to you. Just visit vividseats.com or download the app today. All right, Nick, crazy game in uh, Denver. The Broncos jump up to a 21-3 lead. Wilson has a... Fumble that may may not have been a fumble, but it was ruled a fumble, and that was a big turner. But still, even after that, they're up twenty one three. They're up twenty one fourteen at the half. They're uh, they're cruising the whole time, and they find a way to blow this game. They sure did. Uh, I mean, this one looked like it was going to be well in hand for the Denver Broncos. First three drives of the game were just immaculate, right? A couple deep balls by Russell Wilson, including a seventy five yarder, uh, or excuse me, they had a sixty yarder to to Marvin Mims. Early in this game, he had a big day. I mean, they, everything was rolling early. Russell Wilson looked like old Russell Wilson. The defense is generating stops. Uh, you know, they had a, a big missed field goal by Joey Sly on the first possession of the game. And you're thinking, all right, you know, Denver laid its egg in week one. They're starting to settle in a little bit. And this thing just completely turned. You know, it was the, it was the fumble. And then, you know, the defense to me for Denver, like this, this was supposed to be a strength. This is the reason that I've taken Denver uh, in Pickham and in some other gambling interests these first two weeks because I, I keep thinking, all right, this defense going up against. Las Vegas going up against Washington. They should have the advantage here. And to give up 35 points uh, with, with so many of those, you know, 21 in the second half to this mm-hmm. commander's team, when you have the advantage, I mean, that, that to me has been the big disappointment. Like if you, if you, if you said coming into this game, Russell Wilson and the Broncos are going to put up 33 points. You think they win that game, what, nine and a half times out of 10. And I guess this was the one exception, you know, Wilson had a bad pick uh, in the second half you know, that, that too swung some momentum, although they got to yep. stop after that, they got a field goal. They're back ahead. Uh, but but the defense just could not come through. Uh, obviously, we need to talk about the end of this game, which if you watched it, if you watched any football or any highlight shows, you've seen <laughs> they convert the Hail Mary off a tip. You think, all right, yep, just got to get the two point here, send it to overtime. You're at home. 
can't get the two-point conversion, just didn't look like the right play. Russell Wilson just never really looked comfortable there, uh, not able to convert that. And here are the Washington Commanders now, two games for this team, but sitting at 2-0. and Sutton got interfered with in that play. He catches that if he doesn't get interfered with. Yeah. And that, that I'm ta- that's what I was talking about, swallowing the whistle. You know, that that was clearly pass interference in my mind. Um, we saw that the, the game-winning touchdown for Seattle, the right right tackle was holding. They didn't call that. They didn't want to affect the play there. Um, I'm telling you, in late moments, you know, there's this whole, like, I don't want to affect the game mentality. Yeah. And both times the visitor benefited from that, not the home team, which I thought was interesting. But, yeah. you know, he – I, he clearly got interfered, but they, they should never have even had that chance. I mean, it's crazy. They're up 30 and commanders up 35, 24 late in this one. They even get in that position was crazy. Uh, the Broncos had that fourth down conversion to Sutton where he barely toe taps to stay in bounds. Yep. Uh, Wilson got sacked seven times in this game though. Uh, you know, some of that was him, I think not getting rid of it in times. Other times it's just like, wow, you know, this, this commander's pass rush is pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. It really is. It was one of the best in the league last season. This was one of the best defenses in the league a year ago, and you know, certainly had its its missteps early on, allowing some mm-hmm. of those big plays. But other than that, I thought the defense played pretty well. You know, limited Javante Williams for the most part. He was well under four yards per carry in this game. Russell Wilson actually looked pretty good as a scrambler, uh, over fifty yeah. yards rushing for Russell Wilson. That's what stood out to me these first two games. We saw glimpses of it in the preseason as well. Like Russell Wilson looks more comfortable. He looks more confident. He looks a little faster this year. Uh, but the decision-making still is just a, a little off, right? For a guy who is, you would say that was probably his biggest strength when he was in Seattle was you, you just trusted him in those big moments. Like there's just, there's still something missing there. Uh, you know, we saw Sean Payton, you know, kind of direct some, some kind of side-eye type of comments toward Russell Wilson about, you know, getting plays in, operating the plays in the second half. I think there's still maybe a little bit of a, a disconnect there, but yep. uh, what a disappointing start for, for Sean Payton in Denver. I mean, to, to lose two close games uh, to two teams that you probably feel like you're better than, uh, and now they got to go to Miami. Uh, I mean, that defense coming off of allowing 35 to Sam Howell. Uh, you do wonder how that's going to look against Tua, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and a, a Dolphins offense that's just rolling right now. Yeah, exactly. And at least we don't have to hear like the, that if they would have scored 19 points, we'd be undefeated line after this one here. So there is that. So we got that going for us. It's like if John Mellencamp wins an Oscar, I'd be rich yes. sort of line but to me. But uh, other takeaways. Brian Robinson clearly dominating the snaps and carries in the Washington backfield, even had two receptions for 42 yards. Gibson did have three catches, but I mean, whenever there's a a ball to be carried, it's going to Robinson. Yeah. We, we knew this would be somewhat of a frustrating situation coming in, but it's, it's, it's encouraging to, to see the carries, but I mean, the, the snaps, but is still pretty even uh, between Robinson and Gibson, but obviously you're just going to get a much more, reliable floor week to week mm-hmm. with the guy who's picking up 18 carries versus two for Antonio Gibson. We, we, we saw Gibson make an impact as he always does in the passing game, but you really need him to go off. Like you need him to break a big play. You need him to, to get a touchdown or two, I think to feel comfortable starting him in most leagues. You know, if you're in deeper formats, if you're starting, you know, three receivers, two, two running backs and a flex, yeah, you could throw him in there. But if you're in a league where it's two receivers and two running backs, like you're, there's just not a lot of weeks where you're going to be comfortable rolling Gibson out there. Whereas Robinson, you know, he said they, they ran the ball 23 times in this game. Two of those were Sam Howell. One was a reverse to Curtis Samuel, 18 to Brian Robinson. So yeah, you're, you're feeling a lot more confident about starting him. Yep. Disappointing uh, day for Jahan Dotson, who I started in DFS thought that, you know, the non certain corner coverage would be a good thing for him. It didn't materialize three for uh, t- 22 on five targets. Uh, McLaurin scored on that one dime from Howell. That was really pretty. Uh, otherwise, you know, save salvaged his day. 
I was a little disappointed in Javante Williams' line, too. 12 for 44, uh, only a yeah. couple of catches. They just didn't – I mean, they didn't run the ball. I mean, I guess when Wilson's pulling it down like that, uh, yeah. running six times in his own right, very successfully, mind you, but that really kind of – that chews into the running back values. Yeah, well, they, they had a couple quick drives, you know, early on, too, right? Like that – you have the one long touchdown drive with the the, the, the long play to Mims. That was you know, mm-hmm. essentially only one play given the penalty – uh, that occurred there. You had the, the fumble came on the second play of a drive. You had a three and out early on. So I, I don't know that it was necessarily Denver, you know, getting away from the running game or getting away from Javante Williams. It's just like other things early in the game were working. Uh, and then you're scrambling late in this game. You're throwing a bunch uh, to, to try to get yourself back into it, which they ultimately did. Uh, so to me, it was more game script than, than, than Denver not trusting Javante Williams. And he, he had a couple plays where it's like, man, if he just breaks one more tackle, that could have yeah. been bigger than it was. So I, I still feel like he's running the ball pretty well. Um, you know, we, we did certainly wonder what that, that knee would look like, but for the most part to me, he's passed the eye test. Yeah. All right. Uh, Dallas and the jets, uh, speaking, of not passing the eye test. Uh, we have Mr. Zach Wilson who for a second there, I thought he was going to be okay. Um, and then the second yeah. half got really ugly in this one here. Yeah. You always have faith in the jets defense to do something, right? I mean, they, they didn't get a stop on that first drive of the game, but after that, you know, you hold Dallas to a punt, a field goal, another punt, uh, but but the Jets offense just as this game went along, you, you just felt like you, you're right. the, the more opportunities that Zach Wilson has to commit a mistake, uh, the more likely that is to happen. And, and that's exactly what we saw uh, certainly not in this game too. back to back interception or back to back to back interceptions, excuse me, uh, mm-hmm. on the final three possessions of the game. Um, you know, uh, they also gave up a fumble. That was Dalvin Cook uh, in the second half. I mean, the, the wheels Bad completely came too. off. This was a oh, yeah. I mean, this is a one score game at the half. And you know, I think that the way Dallas came out. Uh, and, and given who the Jets are starting at quarterback, you're thinking, all right, we'll, we'll take that. You know, we, we, we came back from a bigger deficit last week against the Bills. Like, let's just put us in position to, to try to get something fluky here. And uh, again, I mean, to, to go fumble, punt, interception, interception, interception on your final drive, final five drives of the game. Like, you're not winning anything doing that. Yeah. And the pass rush was getting to Wilson, too. He's having to scramble a lot, which he always yeah. has to do. I mean, we were talking about that while doing the Monday night broadcast last week. And like it was the one where he scrambled from like the 25 back to his own 50 just to throw it away. I mean, that was so vintage. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, it, it's going to be a problem. Um, C.D. Lamb went off in this game yardage wise. This is two weeks mm-hmm. in a row where the top receiver went for over 100 yards. You know, you, you kind of expect oh, Sauce Gardner is going to lock him down. But that hasn't been the case. No, no, it hasn't. And, you know, Dak, I thought, looked really sharp uh, again this week. He was asked to do a lot more, of course, than mm-hmm. he was against the Giants in that game that turned into a complete laugher, but really relied heavily on C.D. Lamb. That, that was the case to, to, to start this game and, and really throughout 11 catches on 13 targets, 143 yards for C.D. Didn't get in the end zone, which is a little frustrating, but obviously you'll take that uh, that line from a fantasy perspective. Jake Ferguson caught a touchdown early in this one. That was nice. I uh, had him going in one league as kind of a just flyer tight end uh, where I didn't like any of my other options. Uh, It will be interesting to see just how involved he becomes in this offense uh, as things roll along. It was not a great day for Tony Pollard. I think he chalked that one up to uh, the Jets defense, you know, holding him to 2.9 yards per carry ripped off one big run, but that was about it. He he just did not find a lot of room. Yeah, uh, that's right. Um, Disappointing day for all the running backs involved. Cook, he mentioned his killer fumble. He was four for seven. Brees Hall, four for nine. I mean, they just didn't run that many plays either. I think that's one of the other thing takeaways is. And then that mm-hmm. they got in chase mode in the second half, and it just it got pretty ugly. And I know they said that, that Brees Hall was on a pitch count, uh, but you know that, that was a killer fantasy day if you had either of the Jets running backs. 
Yeah, especially with how Brees Hall looked last week, right? I mean, he's, yeah. he was as much of the reason as any that they were able to hang around and ultimately win that game against the Buffalo Bills. It was just his ability to rip off big plays. And that was what the Jets needed. I mean, especially when you're it's – it's a brutal spot, right? We knew they were yeah. going to be up against it. You're on the road against a Dallas team that's just steamrolled through these first two weeks. I mean, 70 points over their first eight quarters of the season. And I, I was kind of hoping they'd give Brees Hall some more opportunities. He only played 15 snaps, right? So that's part of that, I think was once, once things got out of hand, it's like, you're not going to throw him out there, but that didn't really happen until early in the fourth quarter. Uh, I, I would like to see them try say. that a little bit more. That's, that's really your only shot at a home run play other than Garrett Wilson, who found his way into the end zone for a second straight week. I mean, it's even like 24, 10 in the, in the fourth quarter, that's not out of right? hand as far as I'm concerned, exactly. get him in the passing game for crying out loud. Um, they gave him two targets. That's it. Yeah. I think that was, that was, that was kind of a fail on their point there. Uh, mm-hmm. maybe they just kind of figured that, okay, we're not going to catch up with Zach Wilson. So we'll save, save Brees Hall for next week. But, uh, I, don't, I didn't like, I mean, he's, he's the reason you caught up to the bills, right? I like, give him a chance, yeah. man. I, I mean, I, I know Dallas knows it's coming. I know it's, we're, we're talking like, you know, we could coach the team and, and that's not the case, but, uh, four carries for Brees Hall on the day. I mean, you, you got to give him a few more shots to just to get lucky and rip something. Yeah. Inexcusable. Just yep. terrible. Terrible play calling there. Um, okay, let's move on from that game. It was a stinky game. Uh, let's talk about another stinky game, uh, the Sunday night game, Miami-New uh, England. I thought it was a stinky game just because, I, I don't know, every New England game now for the last two years is just like grounded in the muck. I, I just don't enjoy the, watching them play at all. You know, Mac Jones throws it 42 times for 231 yards. Uh, just nothing downfield. And that the, the, the broadcasters last night were talking about that too. It's just There's yeah. nothing available downfield. Nope, not at all. Not at all. And, you know, late in the game, we started to see New England, you know, they put together a really nice touchdown drive to pull within seven. Um, you know, kind of, you're kind of wondering, like, all right, where, where was this when you needed it earlier? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, Mac Jones and you know, it, I think Mike Tirico remarked uh, on the broadcast, too. He looked more comfortable to me when they started running hurry up, right? Where it was yeah. just, all right, snap the ball, first read, let's go. Snap the ball, look, look here, throw there. All right, let's go, let's go. I, I think the more methodical New England was early in the game, the less in sync Mac Jones seemed to be. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I know the, you know, the average depth of target and whatnot, the, you know, 5.5 yards per completion. Like it's, it's, it's not going to go down to the record books by any means, but I, I still think he looks pretty decent. You know, I, he looks certainly a yeah. lot better than he did last year. He looks more confident to me, um, you know, especially that late touchdown drive that really felt like it mattered at the time. And, and had the, had the Patriots been able to convert that wild, you know, pitch play back to the offensive lineman, you know, maybe we're talking about a game that ends up going into overtime, but I, I still come away encouraged with how Mac Jones specifically has played now the New England offensive line has, has not been good. No, it's terrible. Games. They have they have not been able to get Ramondre Stevenson going whatsoever. And, you know, it, they're kind of like the Giants to me in terms of their group of pass catchers, right? Like part of the reason that they are they are this stuck in the mud, kind of boring team to watch is it just feels like there's nobody in the skill position group that you're like, man, we got to keep an eye on that guy. You, know, you just got a yeah. bunch of dudes who, all right, they'll make the catch and they're going down. Yeah, they don't have an elite receiver. I mean, yeah, and they don't. Uh Juju their, their longest play of the game was a Mac, a Mac Jones scramble. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that tells you what was going on. Exactly. Third, uh, third quarter, they have a fourth and four from like the Miami 45, 48, something like that down 17 to three. There's like 10 minutes left in the third quarter. So it's not like game over, but they're down two touchdowns and they punt. They had, they had lost ground on third and one they lost like three or four yards. Maybe that had something to do with that. Um, it's just it's things like that. Like you're just not giving yourself a chance to win. Oh yeah, they had a cool field goal block. Okay, great. They're innovative in their ability to block field goals. Yay! Um, uh, yeah, it's just frustrating. I, I hate it. Just after such 
you know, a, you know, just I don't want to watch them. They're just one. They're like a bottom five team for me to watch. Uh, Miami is like a high on the list of teams I want to watch. Uh, although I will say New England defensively still does a lot of innovative things. They did a, Christian Gonzalez did a great job on Tyreek Hill. I mean, they got the yep. one touchdown to Hill, but I mean, they, they weren't getting him deep at all. They, uh, they, they, they did get hit waddle on a deep ball, but for the most part, they kept the big plays in check by Miami. There's like two big plays in the game. I think based on what we saw from Miami last season, what we saw from Miami in week one against the Chargers, you know, the Dolphins putting up 24 points in this game feels like a success uh, for the New England defense. And I think the Patriots are going to struggle to outscore teams that put up 24 week to week. Obviously, you'd like to hold them a a little lower than that. But given how how high powered this team was, given how well uh, they ran the ball in this game and Raheem Mostert, 18 for 121, uh, had a long touchdown at the end of the game to, to, to seemingly seal it and obviously new england was able to to kind of climb back in and make it interesting but uh i, I think if you say you hold miami to 24 you at least like your chances to you know match that or, or get to 27 at home and they, they just couldn't do it i mean too many empty drives uh too many you know kind of quick three five six and out type of drives by new england early in this game you mentioned being conservative on that fourth down uh you know they, they needed a few things to go their way that blocked field goal uh you know a two interception late in the game to even have a chance here and yeah you know it, it's just it feels like a team that that needs so many things to go their way to beat a better opponent. And I, I, I can't help but think like shake this thought that the, the Bill Belichick mystique, I, I just, is it still there? I, I don't know if it is, man. I, I think that that could go away pretty quickly. And you know, we, we've seen it across other sports as well. It's like, you know, the, the San Antonio Spurs mystique faded pretty quickly. Once Tim Duncan was out of town, once yeah, Kawhi the, Leonard Tim was Duncan out of town, mystique, the like, Tom Brady mystique, let's face it there. Yeah. Yeah, there there are other factors here. Look, I'm not not trying to rail on Bill Belichick here, but it's ultimately I think we have to take this team for what it is, and it's just it's a very average roster, and it's a, it's a below average roster on offense. Yeah, and it, it maybe years of not having premium draft picks, but I don't know. Other, you know, it's still uh, and, and drafting is hard. They've tried to draft first round receivers in the past, and those have flopped a lot of times. So that that's part of the issue, I suppose. Um, the other takeaway is Miami can win rock fights. Uh, but the yeah. Vic Fangio defense, they can do that now a little bit. Mostert looks the part. Uh, I think I'm I'm impressed with Mostert. Uh, with always with Mostert though, it's always can he stay healthy? Uh, they're gonna they'll maintain him in practice. They kind of used a, a rest day Wednesday for him, and I kind of got scared, moved him down in my rankings. Shame on me for that. But uh, mm-hmm. and the other takeaway is Waddle got hurt late on that cheap shot, um, and that's something to watch for. Yeah, I forgot to mention Garrett Wilson left late in the game for the Jets, too. So that's another one that you're going to keep an eye on. We got a lot of injuries this week that were, you know, some critical injury reports I think mm-hmm. we're going to be watching. Yeah, uh, I mean, not this one doesn't go down to the critical category, but Salvin Ahmed, you know, missed most of yep. the second half uh, with an injury. So that that caused us to see some Devon A-Chain snaps. Didn't really do much. I mean, I, I don't think the plan was for A-Chain to, to really be in there much at all. Uh, right. and ultimately, he only, he only played six snaps total. So it's still kind of a no change on, on somebody that a lot of people – we're pretty excited about uh, at points during the preseason, but to me, not really worth picking up. We saw Hector Henry, you know, six catches for 52 yards and a touchdown. Uh, somebody I always kind of like, you know, if you're, if you're waiting on tight end, if you're trying to grab a second tight end uh, at the end of a draft, uh, he's, he's tight end two right now on the year, Jeff. 17 fantasy points in each of the mm-hmm. first two weeks. So he's, he's behind only Hawkinson. Yeah. Uh, and we didn't even mention Hawkinson earlier that how awesome that was, by the way, start your tight ends against the Eagles. They, uh, you know, Hunter Henry had a big game against them in week one too. So, uh, that's something to, to, you know, they'll fix it eventually, or at least they'll attempt to fix it. They'll address it. Uh, but right now that that's a vulnerability for them. Uh, let's hit up Q and a here. Got a lot of people chiming in with questions in the chat here. We'll try to hit up a few of them here. Uh, 
dynasty league question for you here. Uh, Franz asks, uh, single QB dynasty league, would you ship? I think that's Archman as in Arch Manning and James mm-hmm. Cook for Jalen Hurts. Uh, you're obviously, I think that's Arch, right? Erich, uh, I, I would imagine. Head. Yeah, this this is we're, we're talking deep here. I mean, Arch Manning is yeah. not going to be draft eligible for I think two more years beyond this this year. Uh, he's not even the starter at Texas. I, I want Jalen Hurts. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll yeah. see how Arch, how Arch Manning turns out, but uh, you know, even, even the quarterbacks, now. yeah. Even, even the quarterbacks with the best pedigrees, you know, coming out, it's 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 a 50-50 proposition. Like run the numbers. It, it, it it's 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 just not a, a sure thing, especially when that quarterback is a 19-year-old, you know, freshman who's who's a backup quarterback at Texas. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Give me Jalen Hurts, no question. Yeah, exactly. I'm with that one, with you on that one there. Um Ahmed asks, do I trade Pittman and Ramondre for Josh Jacobs and Debo Samuel? I, I think this is an easy yes. Um, yeah. I think Pittman yeah. and Debo cancel each other out. Maybe Debo is a little bit more valuable. I'd rather have Debo, but I'd also rather have Jacobs and Ramondre. Um, even yeah, you know, Jacobs running results this past week, notwithstanding. Yeah, that one to me is a little bit closer, just because I, I think the Ra- the Raiders' offensive line is really bad, and I think there's going to be a couple of these floor games sprinkled in, like we just saw for Josh Jacobs. But yeah, you could also argue that as we saw last year, he has a higher ceiling uh, than than Stevenson. So yeah, give, give me Jacobs and Debo. Yes, CCAC Sports asks, would you trade Garrett Wilson for Jameer Gibbs? We mentioned Wilson getting banged up, undisclosed injury, the end of the game. Uh, and obviously, as Zach Wilson as his quarterback now, two catches. One of them went to, ha- went to the house. It was a great play, and he shows what he's capable of. Right. But uh, this is, this so is going to be tough. Yeah. Well, he had two catches on the game. One of them goes for a 68-yard touchdown. He was targeted eight times. Like You're going to need a touchdown basically every single week, which is not going to happen to feel good about Garrett Wilson. Uh, as long as Zach Wilson remains the quarterback, the question is, does Zach Wilson remain the quarterback? Like, do they, do they work some sort of trade? Do they bring somebody in off the street? Do they trade for a backup? You know, I, I think there yeah. is always that, there's always that possibility that an upgrade is coming. And if Zach Wilson plays two more games, like he did this week against the Cowboys, where he's turned the ball over, he's inefficient. He just looks like the same old guy. And by the way, they play the Patriots, the chiefs, the Broncos and the Eagles in their next four games uh, get at least three very good defenses there. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't think you're, you, if you give away Garrett Wilson for Jameer Gibbs, I, I don't think you would, it would become a massive regret because whoever they get, you know, it's not like you're trading for a top five quarterback. Um, it's probably going to be an average offense at best if a trade is made. Um, so right now, if you're assuming Zach Wilson's the start of the rest of the year, I would rather have Gibbs. If you think a trade is coming, maybe hold off. Yeah. Specific lineup question for tonight. Dylan asks, which kicker do you like the best tonight? Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Carolina, New Orleans. Uh, he has Thomas also in a kicker spot against Firemuth, and he's chasing 11.36. It's kind of a chances to win, but with a free agent uh, twist to it there. Yeah, so which which kicker do we think puts up the most points tonight? Uh, man, I, sometimes in these situations, I just default to like, all right, how many extra points are you going to get? Uh, that's kind of like a baseline way to just a few points, and then – um, you know, maybe assume that you get a field goal attempt or two. I, I, I think I would, I would, I would go Browns, I guess maybe saints Browns or saints. Yeah, I think so too. Go with one of the two visitors there. I'll go saints. Cause uh, check the weather. Let that, let that be a tiebreaker there. I don't even know what the forecast is in those locales, but, um, something I'm something seeing, I'm seeing it's supposed it. to be pretty nice in Charlotte. All right. Very good. So there you go there. Um, let's see a uh, couple more questions here and then we'll, we'll sign out here. Uh, Matt says, 12-man full-point PPR. Would I be dumb buying low on Jacobs and giving Ramondre? Uh, plus another. It's similar to the other question. So, no, yeah. you're not dumb. Do it. Um, no. Yeah, Kira says, uh, do I trade Mostert straight up for Kyron Williams? This is an interesting question. Ooh, Ooh that is an interesting question. I, 
Man, I, I think I lean, uh, I, I would say I like Mostert better, but like you said, there's always that injury risk. And I, I don't think Cam Akers is coming back this time. I know we, we went through this last year and eventually he got back into the, the good graces of the coaching staff, but that's not happening this time around. I, I think I would I would prefer Kyron Williams slightly just because I think that Mostert injury is coming. Yeah. By the way, that dynasty question with Anthony Richardson, not Arch Manning, is a rich, not Arch. So my uh, bad on that. So that's a, that's a different question, considerably different question. That is a yeah, definitely uh, burden hand there. I mean, it's still like the question is how much do you value Hertz over Richardson in a dynasty? Yeah. Well, and and James Cook was involved on the the a rich yes. side, correct? Yes, um, correct. I'm still pretty high on Hertz. I know I know things haven't looked great. They haven't looked you know as dominant as last year. There's been some you know coordinator uh, you know brain drain type of questions brought up with that team. I, I I'm still team Hertz uh, on that one. Um, you know we just we've, we've seen basically five quarters uh, of Anthony Richardson so far, and it, it's been encouraging. But to yeah. me, that's not enough to to make a judgment against a guy who, to me, if he doesn't get hurt and miss two games at the end of the year, would be the reigning MVP. Yep, agreed. And could have been the Super Bowl MVP, but right? Like for not winning the game. Think, think of it this way: like in a in a best case scenario, Anthony Richardson is probably competing for MVPs. Best case scenario, but you know, what what are the chances that it actually turns out that way? I I would say not that great. That you know that he's that he's a demonstrably better player than Jalen Hurts, who we already know is a very good you know top three fantasy quarterback. Exactly, exactly. You hope he can become Jalen Hurts, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. All right, um, that's going to wrap up the, today's pod. We uh, went plenty there. If we we have an ask an expert service on RotoWire. If you didn't get your question answered here uh, in the live stream, those listening after the fact, we appreciate you. You guys can check out everything out. Go to rotowire.com slash pod. You can see that right down here. You get a free trial. No credit card is required. Hopefully you like it. You want to subscribe. Uh, we got uh, Jake and James tomorrow. Uh, not James. Uh, <laughs> Jake and Joe tomorrow talking free agents as always on Tuesday. Uh, so make sure to tune in for that. You can catch Nick and I on the Sirius XM show tonight, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern. 5 p.m. Best Coast. There's going to be two games going on in there. We'll be having like a live scoring chances to win. It'll be fun. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Take care. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.